Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe, and we are continuing to count down the top 50 family games of all time. Last week, we covered 40 to 31, and this week, we're going to be jumping all the way up to 21, 30 to 21. How do we create this list of our definitive top 50 family games of all time? Right now. Well, Doug, I'm glad that you asked that question. I have a feeling you're going to answer that question, so I'll send it back to you to answer that, Doug. All right. We look at availability, whether the game's easy to learn, how fast you can set it up, how it looks on the table, the production quality of the game, the engagement. Are we interacting with each other? Is the game fun? That's an important part. Uh, Is it multi-generational? Can you play it with kids and grandparents? And, of course, skill development is also something that we weigh into our gigantic rubric of games that we run this through to try and be as um, thorough as possible. Of course, we have not played all of the billions of games that are out there that may have been contenders for this list, but I think we've done a good job of playing a lot of them. It's one of those things that over time, if you have a contact list on a spreadsheet, eventually that thing becomes a database, right? And over the last five years, we've played so many games. We've evaluated so many games that we essentially have a database to which we sort this list by. Yeah, so we are excited. Is there anything we need to talk about before we dive back in? We're doing this um, so you can go back and listen. This is the third episode in the series. We're kind of finishing out the year with this list of our top 50 family games of all time. And and hopefully next year we'll update it again as well. So stay tuned next week as we continue to count down towards the end of the year and get closer to the top 50. But with that out of the way, let's dive into number 30, Michael. Yeah, number 30 is Potion Explosion, which was released in 2015 by Horrible Guild Stefano Castelli. Andrea Crespi and Lorenzo Silva are the designers, and you can hear more about Potion Explosion on episode 43. That was our game of the week. This game's awesome, and here's why this is on our list as a family game. You have marbles that you are pulling out, and they are exploding into other marbles. So you're trying to trigger an explosion, a safe, family-friendly explosion of marbles, all in order to fulfill a recipe. So the game plays um, basic set collection and, and where you're fulfilling objectives based on these potions that you have. But here's the cool thing about Potion Explosion. Not only is it fun to draft the marbles, and see what is going to explode to get you more marbles. When you finish an explosion, one of about five or six different um, bonuses happen immediately. Uh, And that's just a lot of fun, and and kids seem to pick it up fairly quickly. The, The only downside that I have with this game, it can take a little bit to set up, but once you have it set up on the table... Uh, kids dive right in and, and adults do as well. So that's, yeah. that's number 30 for us. Potion explosion. What do you have to say about the game? Yeah. Though? I mean, on your turn, so there are a bunch of marbles in a, in a shoot and on your turn, you pick one marble out. And if the marble that you pull out the, the, the marbles that smack together, when you, you take that marble out, if they're the same colors, they explode and you get all of the colors of that marble. And and you know what, if you take out the next ones after that, the, the marbles then smash in, those are the same colors. You get all of those and you're using those to fill up different potions. 
And once you fill up those potions, you can spend them later in the round for or in the game for special abilities and and uh, advantages, powers and stuff that you can use throughout the game. So it's got a really cool um, progression as this is how you start. This is how you build up and then it works its way back out to then help you get better marbles uh, as the game goes along. The production value um, of this game is really awesome. The original came out with kind of a, a cardboard shoot, but that's been replaced with a... Um, it's a plastic, a plastic heftier shoot. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which those marbles mm-hmm. come down. Plays fast, about 45 minutes. It has a, is reminiscent of some of the Candy Crush type of iOS games that, yeah. are, that are out there. Ton of replayability, though, because no two games are the same. You're yeah. always going to try to get your first potion filled as quickly as possible. That's what everybody at the table's doing. But just how those marbles collide and cascade together, uh, you really mess up the turn of the people right around you well, with that one marble pull. Yeah, and the other thing I really like about this is that the the first time that you play it, you're, you know, you, you select a marble, you pull it out and it's like, okay, that's great. But then as you start, as the game goes on, you're like, wait, I need to be a little bit more efficient on how I'm doing this. And you start looking at the board in a different way of, oh, I can do this. And you can take little penalties by selecting two marbles and things like that. And, and the way that you can get them to chain and explode off of each other is, is really cool. So that is our number 30 potion explosion. Number 29 on the list is uh, came out in 2021 and published by GameRight. The designer is Toshiki Sato and Airu Sato. Um, we talked about this in episode 55, and that is Happy City. Happy City is a very, very simple card game in which you are um, earning income, using that income to uh, purchase new buildings to put into your city, and you are trying to get um, population and happiness. So yep. the buildings either provide income, population, happiness, or some combination of the bo- of all of those. And at the end of the game, you're multiplying your happiness by your population. Whoever has the most wins. And the, Doug just taught you the entire game. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the game has a very iOS city building feel it looks almost like an app the way that the buildings are are constructed and it's taking place over what eight or nine turns so it's it's really quick um 20 to 30 minutes is the play time and it has this variability which you can add uh, and once somebody adds the 10th card to their city the game that is, triggers is the over game. yep um but it has this really cool thing where they have these special, unique buildings that you not only do they have a basic set of special buildings, but they have special, special buildings. And those are kind of objectives. So if I get uh, three yellow buildings and a purple, I might be able to take this special building and it's worth more points. You can only have one special building. And so you're kind of racing for those. But then some of the advanced ones kind of give you some extra special abilities as well. So um, in a yeah. couple of past episodes, we've talked about games that can scale up and, and be flexible depending on who you're playing with. This is a great example of that, of whether you want to play basic or advanced or um, even some of the ways that you can score, it can be different. And and you would expect nothing else from a game right game. Um, 
And this is kind of one that's fallen under the radar, but just the the ability to get it set up and play right away is really um, a big highlight for this one. Yeah, well said, Doug. The the other thing that replayability comes into the kids at the table will often let you know when it's time <laughs> to try those special abilities. So after yeah. you've played two or three times, if 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 the game starts, I don't want to say stale, but if the game starts to get, uh, you say, oh, no, why don't we try adding these other buildings in? And it adds nice variability. Um, this is one that I, that I absolutely love. Played in my house a lot. There's actually an expansion coming out for it. Um, from the publisher Cocktail Games, so not not from Game Right. Uh, I hope that there's an English version of that expansion because I, I want to see where where this game continues to go. So um, Happy City is number twenty nine. There it is. Uh, the, one other thing too is that my kids really love building the buildings that they like the pictures of. So when you play with younger kids, they're like, I want to build that popsicle stand or the school. It's like, I don't want to build that boring building. And in fact, one of the funny things that always cracks me up every time I play um, with my middle daughter, she always tells you what special building she wants right from the start. Where it's like, I want, <laughs> want that unicorn building, which is... So she reserves it. Essentially, because if if I did take it, she would be crushed. But I do think it's funny that that like that there is that level of engagement. Now, strategically, that's terrible to do that, but fun that they're engaged in it to a level that they're all looking at the special buildings and could care less about the abilities of them. But it's like, that one's got a unicorn on it, and I want to build that one. So uh, there is a good chunk of engagement in this one. Um, over to our number 28, Michael. Our number 28 is No Thanks 2004 release. It was in... Game of the Week back in episode 144, published by Amigo Games. The designer is Thorsten Gimler. 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 Didn't see the L. Looked like an I because <laughs> on our run sheet it is an I. But uh, Thorst, or else my I just need to that, get some. Get that's some a glasses. Lo- that's a lowercase L, Michael. Uh, also looks I don't like know a capital about I. That, Doug. Run sheet. I'll check when I get done talking about. No thanks, but. Um, this is a game that I've played about a tenth of what Doug has played, even though he doesn't log his plays. Doug has played this game a ton, talked about it a lot, and I very recently got to play it, and I fell in love with it. In No Thanks, you have, is it 11 or 14 tokens that you start out with, or is that player count dependent? Uh, it might be player count you, dependent. You start off with some tokens, and then you are trying to, it's golf rules, so low score is going to win. And you are going to take a card that is in front of you, or you are going to put a token down and say, no, thank you. I don't want that card. And then it's going to go like that around the table until somebody does select that card. And you're trying to get low runs, cards in order. So if I have uh, 12, 13, 14, and if I have a 17, 18, 19, if I can connect those by getting the 15 and 16, it's only going to count for 12. But if I can't, I'm going to have to add the 12, uh-oh, with that 17 or whatever the numbers were that I spoke of less than a minute ago. <laughs> uh, and that's that's really the game. The tension is in the risk versus reward because 
you don't have perfect information. There's seven-ish games that are removed. Yeah, se- nine, nine, nine cards, cards are, are taken removed out. from from a deck of one to thirty-five. Three to uh, thirty-five. Three to thirty-five. Thank you for all those corrections. <laughs> sorry, you, you know what? I'm not. Don't be sorry. Let's get it right. Um, it's fun. It, it is a ton of fun as you look to push your luck and take chances and and really try to pile on the points to the people sitting next to you. Yeah, this was a 2005 Spiel des Jahres recommended game, and that um, each chip that you have is also going to deduct one point from your score at the end of the game. So uh, getting rid of them is not great, but taking points is from worse. the card is worse. But then sometimes there's a card that you want, but you know the other players aren't going to want it, so how far can you let that go around and let chips accumulate on there? And it becomes one of those things, if you run out of chips, you run out of that currency, you're going to be taking a lot of hot you're garbage. Stuck. And you're going to be taking... So uh, prioritizing and, and um, you know manipulating the amount of, of chips that you have and trying to remain flexible throughout the game is is really important. And it it's a, a great one to play as a family. There's one of those... After dinner games, it's a simple deck of cards with uh, some chips that you can play out and just kind of sit around and set up in, you know, 30 seconds and get rolling and you're done in 20 minutes. Um, Just a phenomenal game. That's our number 28, no thanks. Jumping up to number 27 is Tiny Towns. We talked about this in episode 13 published in 2019 by AEG and designer Peter McPherson. In Tiny Towns, uh, players take turns um, shouting out a... Well, you don't have to shout it. You can just say it. But I think it's funnier if you're the town crier and you shout it out. But you're going to shout out a building material. Everybody then is going to take that cube of of material, whether that's a glass or uh, stone or wood, and place no it... No wheat. And place it on... Uh, the grid in front of you, you have a grid. Eventually, when you get uh, those materials laid out in a certain configuration, they will match to the building um, uh, cards that are in the game. And when you do that, you'll you'll turn in your, your goods and place one of those building tiles in that one of those spots on the grid as you start filling up your tiny town. And each of the buildings in the game has a different scoring mechanism. So it might want to be surrounded. I might want to be alone. It might want to be connected to other buildings of the same type. There's a ton of replayability and variety in this game um, just in the base box of of manipulating how those scoring cards work. And there's two different ways to play the game. You can do... uh, uh, as the rules are written where you you uh, each player takes a turn around the table naming out a, a building one and then once it gets all the way around everybody gets to choose one their own or there's a little deck of cards in there that you can do and it's a kind of a randomized town crier that's making the decision and that's and, recommended for beginning players yep. or if you have people who really take their time that's a good way to to speed it up so it's just a, a really cool game, a lot of um, uh, awesome wooden components that, that make it feel um, deluxified in a, in a way, and just have really enjoyed my, my time with Tiny Towns. Yeah, the game starts off where everything feels open. Like, oh, I have yeah. so many choices. And on that second to third-ish turn around in the game, 
it just starts to close in and you get to the end of the game and you don't have any good decisions to make. So it's kind of like uh, guessing on a multiple choice test of, uh, I need to make the least worst decision. <laughs> and, and yet that could still be kind of fun. Um, but Tiny Towns is a game that I've gifted to people. It's a game that we on the podcast have given away uh, in contests in the past. And it just works for so many different game groups. But it also works for families. Uh, This is a game that my family has enjoyed playing, and I think there's a ton of different skills that are in there as well, especially if you're talking about spatial perception and problem solving and tactical thinking. All of those skills are in tiny towns, and repeated plays can only help to improve some of that. Well, and a great game that works for families and hobby gamers. You know, it can stretch that gamut, and the amount of – Gameplay that you can find in a four by four grid yeah. as you're filling up uh, those uh, those spaces with building material cubes to then add add new buildings to your town is is pretty cool. So that is our number twenty seven tiny towns. Excellent number twenty six impact battle of the elements designed by Dieter Nussel and Ravensburger is a publisher. 2018 is the release. This game also goes by the name Strike. This is a dice chucking game where you are throwing dice into the arena and you throw in one in. We're going to talk about the base version. We're not going to do the (laughs) lightning variant or hurricane, but in the base version, you throw in one dice, die, and if there's a pair, you remove any of the matches that are in there. So there could be three different dice in there, but if I slam all the dice just perfectly and they all match, four fire symbols come up, I grab all four die out of the cauldron. What do you do when the cauldron is empty? The person to your left has to throw in all of their dice and the table rejoices. That's the game, folks. It's very basic. So how can this be on a family game list, Doug? Justify. Yeah, well, and and you want to be the last one with dice left. Yeah, mo- right? yeah, yeah. most so, dice wins. So one of those uh, things where you're throwing a, a bunch of dice in there can really hurt somebody else and, and get rid of their dice quickly. Um, there's The reason this is on the list is, A, it plays fast. You're talking about a 15-minute game. B, you can play it with a, a five- or six-year-old all the way up to, to grandparents and the whole family is involved, and it's not a children's game that gets capped out at, you know, 10 or 11. Is like, I don't want to play that game. This is fun all the way through. But within that, you've got push-your-luck elements and risk management. Yes, what is happening is chaotic and random. It's dice. It's meant to be that way. It's not supposed to be a hardcore game that you sit down and it's going to melt your brain. You can roll all your dice in there because somebody cleared it out before you and you can get no matches and your turn can be done. You can be out of the round. But you know what? In three minutes, the game is going to start over again and you can keep playing. And so it's one of those that I think fits on this list because you can get it set up playing in under a minute. You can teach it. In that same time, to somebody that's never played before, it has those scalable elements with certainly the strike, the original strike does not, but impact battle of the elements does, where you can add special powers depending on the faces of the dice, which adds a whole level of flexibility and scaling 
depending on where you are with your family. And yeah, you, it varies the game. Yeah. So like in my family, and I have not logged all my plays, but I'm looking at it on Board Game Geek. I have 24 logged sessions. That means we usually play two to three games per session. Well, a different kid, what are we going to play? Well, let's do a lightning attack. So then when a pair of lightning come up, everybody has to throw in a die quickly without thinking. And, and it just adds a little bit of variance and keeps the engagement so that if, if you're playing a full five player, there is no downtime. Yeah. You're locked in on every turn. The other thing about Impact, Battle of the Elements, that I like, I actually like the player elimination of this mm. game because I think it keeps everybody just kind of peeking at the cauldron to see who's going to win. And people take sides. So in my house, who are they always going to root against? Who wears the black hat at all times? It's oh, going to be me. It's always dead. C- come get it, people. You can try to beat me. <laughs> and, and then so maybe it's just the hyper-competitiveness. But we've had a ton of luck with showing this to my mother-in-law, Abolita. We've, we, she has a copy at her house. Um, our, our weird uncle, who I won't name because I don't want to upset him, but who doesn't play games. Can you believe people don't play games? Impossible. But he'll play Impact, Battle of the Elements. He'll also play a different one on our list at a later time. <laughs> um, but that's it. He plays two different games. This is one of them. Well, and it's a, you know, there's a, a great thing of uh, a skill we talk about on the podcast is resilience and the ability to kind of react when bad things happen. And this game does such a good job of, yeah, you know, somebody's going to knock your dice out. You're going to not roll the right dice. You're going to get knocked out of the game. But it's never long enough, and you're playing the game fast enough and as many times as you are that it's a really good uh, opportunity for kids to build up that callus and, and really start to understand it's just a game. We're just having fun. You know, this is, is not uh, life or death stakes playing Impact Battle of the Elements. And I think that this game, I could probably single-handedly credit for teaching that skill to my kids and getting them acceptable to the idea of, like, it's okay if we don't win every game. And yeah. that bad things will happen during games. And it's just a game. And we're having fun. And it's about the laughing and you know, trying to eliminate dad and having fun and spending time as a family as opposed to, great, you're the supreme chapter champion of of Impact Battle of the Elements. Imagine know? if someone is tuning in for the first time. Having fun trying to eliminate dad. Well, yeah, that's what we do here. And the other thing that we do here, just to, to wrap up Impact Battle of the Elements, oftentimes in the hobby, Doug, when somebody says a filler game, yeah, it, it almost has a negative connotation. Well, here, filler game is great. It's a game that can get played when you, for busy families that might only have ten to twelve minutes, but we want to play yeah. a game. We need to come together. We need to connect. Shut off the devices. Let's just do something quick here together. Impact Battle of the Elements yeah, is game, a great go-to. Gamers refer to filler as a small game between two large games. Family gamers refer to a filler as a game between life. Yes. <laughs> like yes. Life events, you know. So there's a, a little bit of a difference there. But that is our number 26 impact battle of the elements. Number 25, another fast playing game we talked about in episode 85, and that is Tapple from the op, pub, originally published in 2012. Tapple is a word game with a, a little contraption at the center of the table that has a timer on it and a whole bunch of letters around it. Uh, when the game begins, you're going to reveal a topic card 
and then you are going to take turns trying to think of a word that begins with a letter that is still available to be pressed on the contraption. So, for example, like everybody does, I'm going to use the topic of pizza toppings and then sausage. And, I and, you, and then Michael hits the S, it resets the timer. Now it's on to me. I put down the M for mushrooms and then the next person and resets the timer. Next person C for cheese. And you keep going around. No, I was going to do cheese. Uh, 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 panic. And then uh, it buzzes. Michael is out. And uh, then the other players keep continuing until there's only one left and they're going to win the topic card. And then whoever, uh, there's probably something in the rules, but you can play into whatever number of topics you want to when somebody collects three topics or five topics, whatever it is, you can make up your own topics, uh, which makes this one of the cool things that we don't often talk about this, but this is a cool game that could be manipulated for a classroom and bring it in to make your own topics on whatever unit that you're, you're covering at the time, whether it's, um, you know, science or history or things like that and kind of modify this and have something that's unique uh, and exciting for the kids instead of playing bingo over and over again. But the excitement and the frenetic energy of this game when you're playing with youngsters yeah. and they get the, the... There can be tears. Ants, that's the only bad thing the, I could say about it. Ants in the pants waiting and woo, it's just, uh, you well, know... When somebody steals their word, yeah. you know, if there's only four letters up and somebody left and somebody knows what they want and it gets stolen and then they are frozen and don't have any other words to match that topic and then the buzzer dings it's a good opportunity for for some resilience and, and just incredible um, game for comprehension and, and really being tactical and not one and, and and this like a lot of the games that we talk about and certainly the family games it's one that has those disappointing moments but it's not going at a pace that's out of control and it it's moving fast enough that you don't have time to linger yeah on things on the disappointment it just the fun just keeps kind of going which i think works really well for this anything else on, on you need Tapple? batteries that's all so if you <laughs> go out and buy it today because we got you fired up just make sure you have some batteries ready to go for it so that is our number 25 tapple from the op well, Doug, if we have a Hall of Fame, mm. we know there will be at least 24 members in the Game Schooler Hall of Fame because number 24 is Point Salad. And Point Salad is a 2019 release, plays two to six players, which I just wanted to highlight that on the front end because I think that's an awesome part of this game. The design team of Molly Johnson, Robert Melvin, and Sean Stankovich. It was our game of the week back in episode six. And dare I say, we have been champions of this as much as oh, yes. any um, group of folks out there. Because on Point Salad, you have two different options. You can take the vegetable that is in front of you to add it to your set of vegetables. Or on the back of that vegetable card is a scoring condition. Like two of every... Um, carrot is going to give you three points. I just made that up on the fly because they are all different. So you won't ever see the same scoring combination twice. So yeah. You are faced with decisions right away. Immediately you, you think, okay, I've got to get some scoring cards in my hand and I need to get some vegetables in my hand. Doug, I know you love this game as well. So I'm going to send it over to you to talk a little bit more about point salad. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, they say it on the, the description, there are over a hundred ways 
to score points. So every card in the game has a unique scoring uh, mechanism and a, a vegetable on the front, and you're trying to collect those vegetables, two vegetables or one point card. Um, and it it just works. It's uh, You go around the table and everybody's drafting and picking cards, and then the the top of the, the decks flip over so the vegetables come out and those scoring cards are no longer available. So when you see them, grab them if they're good for you. And, and you start to see people manipulating those piles and taking the vegetables that you're trying to collect or seeing that you're collecting something that would give you a lot of points. So I'm going to take from that stack. So that scoring card is no longer available. And that is something that you can see even with younger players start to manipulate that that basic center board to their advantage. Um, it's a game that was nominated for the as uh, a recommended 2021 Spiel des Jahres recommended. It was the Origin Awards um, best card game winner. So highly regarded. It is a game that Michael and I have demoed on several occasions. And Just, I still wanted to play after the demo. Yeah, we played it all day long. This is a game. And I'm sorry, I interrupted nope. you there, but. Whenever we talk about it, I want to play it again. We yeah. talk about a lot of games. Yeah. My memory isn't that good. Usually as soon as we're done talking about a game, I'm moving on to the next one. But right now it's like, well, how can I get point salad to the table over the next week? Because I want to play it. And the, the it plays beautifully at five to six people. Mm-hmm. I don't have many games in my collection that are smooth at five to six people as they are with two to three. So it's yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal game. 15 to 30 minutes, um, awesome game. That's our number 24 point salad. Up to number 23 is Seven Wonders Architects. We talked about this in episode 51, published in 2021 by Repos Production and designer Antoine Bauza. Uh, Based off the original Seven Wonders, this uh, is a simplified version of Seven Wonders in which you are uh, trying to construct your wonders but it's done in a way that you are selecting cards from either the the decks to either side of you or the center uh there's a draw pile and so you're doing this to acquire resources you're then going to turn those resources in to build sections of your wonders it is a race um to build your wonder whoever does that first triggers the end game uh and then you're scoring points so maybe you've drafted a bunch of point scoring cards throughout the game Maybe you build your wonder up and you need to build it in order. And so there's a lot of elements, but it, this, the gameplay is very streamlined, similar in a way that that point salad is where it just kind of keeps flowing and, and going around the table uh, that just does a phenomenal job. And one of the things that this game does really well is the insert and components for this game Yeah, where it makes setup and takedown a breeze that you are up and playing right away. Each each player gets their own little uh, container that's got all of their wonder in, their cards, and then you set them out and you start rolling, and and you're off to the races. And similar to what I had just said about Point Salad, also plays great at the larger player counts. Yep. Because you're there's that simultaneous play. Uh, you're you're playing at the same or similar time. I love that it has the iconography of Seven Wonders, but if anyone out there is listening thinking, oh, I have Seven Wonders, what do I need another Seven Wonders game for? This is a completely different game yeah, and is an awesome game in that box. Yeah, it's a great game to... Um, it's, it's very different than Seven Wonders, but shares so much 
of the iconography that it makes it an awesome stepping stone up to a hobby game like Seven Wonders. Um, Simple to play, 25 minutes. Like Michael said, it goes up to seven players. Um, And that 25 minutes doesn't really change whether you're playing with two players or seven players. Easy to grasp, quick turns. And you might have said this, but if it bears repeating, and I need to listen closer, uh, each player has their own objective that they're working on tied to to the ancient world, which is kind of cool. So if I'm building Giza and if... Um, yeah, you know, if I'm working on a pyramid and Doug could be working on one of the statutes from that era or, or sculptures. And so we each have slightly different, uh, um, goals that, that we are driving towards. And I just really enjoy that part of it too. Yeah. Another 2022 Spiel de Jars recommended game. Our number 23, Seven Wonders Architects. Excellent. Number 22, Penny Black. It was episode 134 where we discussed this game. Fun fact, one of the designers, Dylan Mangini, is a well-known artist. He did the art for Point Salad. Uh, the other designer, Aaron Mesburn, um, came out with this game, and the art in this game is phenomenal. And now it seems to make sense why. When you have an artist who's a designer, they probably have a pretty good network of people to go make some games about collecting stamps. How can a stamp collecting game be in our top 22, you ask? Well, this game, published by Buffalo Games, has some crunch to it, folks. I've been burned. (laughs) I've had some rotten experiences because I tried to be perfect. You can't complete everything in your stamp collection, can you, Doug? No, it's impossible. Yeah, so why don't you tell folks a little bit more about it because I know this is a game that's in your personal collection that you love. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about it, even though it just came out uh, this calendar year in 2023. It is one that seems to have not gotten as much buzz as some others. Yeah. um, On your turn, uh, there are going to be three kind of offerings out there, each with three stamps uh, for you to take. And you're going to take one of those and take all three of those stamps Um, unless there happens to be a Penny Black stamp, which is a special scoring stamp that you can get. You're going to take those stamps and put them into your stamp book. Each player gets a stamp book with two sides to it, and each side of your stamp book is going to have a different scoring mechanism or thing that you're trying to accomplish, whether that's getting all um, red stamps or fill in all of the edges. And you are putting stamps into your stamp book trying to complete those objectives to score points at the end of the game. Uh, what's tricky is trying to draft the the stamps that you can use and eventually you're running out of space and um, you left a blank open or halfway through the game you realize I can't I can't do get that. both of these objectives um, so I need to get one yeah so and then as the game goes along you can get uh, star tokens which you can then spend to kind of break the rules you can unstick a stamp and put it somewhere else you can draw a stamp out of the bag and one of the things, so so not only is this a game with a unique theme, which is, you Delightful. know, awesome in the hobby, the components on this game are phenomenal. Like, for the cost of this game, I, I still don't know how they're doing it, but the stamps are not cardboard stamps. They're plastic stamps that are screen printed. They look beautiful. Um, it comes with a rubber stamper as a round marker. The books are double uh, the stamp books are dual layered boards that everything fits and slides in there 
um, and you're drawing the stamps out of a, a mail bag. It's just a, a phenomenal production and one that when we talk about production value or table presence is that even though the theme is like, oh, why would I want to play a game about stamps? When you see it on the table, the colors is so inviting. Yeah, and you have the skills of spatial perception and decision-making that are overarching the entire game. You are having to figure out that puzzle on the two different boards and really switch from one task to the next. Um, my only complaint about it that it could really slow down, and I'm typically not an analysis paralysis person, but I, I can spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. Yeah, and, and and I enjoy that. Other people at the table maybe not as much, but that decision making point in the game. I think is really valuable for kids and for families, um, and it's a good one. All right, so that is our number 22, Penny Black. And the last one for our list this week, uh, we talked about in episode 53, and that is Similo. Similo is a cooperative deduction game in which uh, one player is giving clues in order to narrow down to the, the, the final, um, I don't want to say suspect, but secret character. They're trying to narrow it down to the secret character. It's a grid of, of 16 cards gets laid out each turn. Uh, as the game goes on, they need to eliminate one more than they did the last time. So the first one, you just need to eliminate uh, one secret character. And the next turn, you need to eliminate two secret characters and so on until there's um, only two left and, and pick one. And hopefully you get the right one. Clue giver is using the rest of the cards in the deck to give clues by putting a card out and saying that this card is similar to the secret character or not similar to the secret character, which has this little extra mental gymnastics trying to figure out, okay, so now I'm looking for people that are like this. We need to flip over. They're not like this, but it's fun. And it comes in a whole bunch of different versions. You can get a Harry Potter one. You can get a historic one, fables, myths, Animals, animals, uh, spooky Halloween characters, so, and and they can all be um, mixed and matched in in if you want to. So, for example, you can use the the animal cards to give clues for the Harry Potter characters, which is really cool when you do it. It's like, oh, he put down an elephant. What does that mean? Or the historical figures with the mythology. You can, yeah. you can, yeah. So, and it's a game that that takes ten to fifteen minutes. Uh, younger players love being the clue givers uh, and get a, a real a, a joy out of that. And, and my kids certainly have. Goes two to eight players. It's probably probably best in that three to four range. Yeah, and I think what Horrible Guild and that design team did really well here. The story of this game is the story that comes from playing this game. The more that you play Similo, the more that you introduce it to other people. Uh, you're going to get to see your own kids teach this game to their cousins or their friends and have a blast. The fun factor on this game, to me, is is the reason why it's elevated so high on our list for, for family games. Um, there's just so many different ways you can go with it. Yeah, low price point, easy to get to the table, um, set up and ready to go in no time. So it kind of fits all of those those different boxes. I love seeing my kids play this with my parents and their grandparents. They're giving clues um, and having fun. 
And uh, just a phenomenal quick little card game, and that is Similo. So to recap this week, we've got 30 Potion Explosion. Number 29 is Happy City. 28 is No Thanks. 27 is Tiny Towns. 26, Impact Battle of the Elements. 25 is Tapple. 24 is Point Salad. 23, Seven Wonders Architects. 22, Penny Black. And 21, Similo. Uh, we will be back next week. Well, we will reveal 20 to 11 um, in, Can't our, wait. in our top 50 family games of all time. These are all phenomenal games, and they just keep getting better. Um, as we said last week, any of these 10 games that, you know, there's 20 games that we think are even better family games. But if you go out and get these 10 games, you're going to have a solid collection right from the start. Um, so we're looking forward to, to going higher as we finish out the year and reveal our top 50 family games of all time. Thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming. It's